This episode of the FNRs podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Order delicious looking meals like the garlic herb butter steak and lobster tails or the spinach gnocchi with heirloom tomatoes. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. What is up, Nerds Nation? Welcome back to the FN Nerds Podcast with the most dynamic duo in all of podcasting. My name is Nick Denizio, and sitting across from me is my dude, Martin Morena. How, How we are doing? You? Good, bro. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, we're going to be going into Loki and all things Loki. Season one recently wrapped up, and we figured uh, we would just kind of come on and give our thoughts on the season as a whole. I know we kind of got into the habit of doing a lot of these Disney Plus shows, whether it was Mandalorian or WandaVision, or Falcon Winter Soldier, excuse me, Captain America Winter Captain Soldier. Captain America Winter Soldier, bro. We were doing episode-by-episode episode discussions, but for Loki, we decided just to kind of relax a little bit, kick back, and take it episode-by-episode episode and just enjoy it. And mm -hmm. I said if we were, if anything was going to happen on the season that was noteworthy, we would do a show on it. And well, the season finale happened, and some shit went down. Oh, yes. Shit went down. But before we get to that, I kind of want to talk about overall thoughts on the season. Martin, mm -hmm. how'd you feel about season one of Loki? Overall, season one thoughts, I really, really enjoyed the show. I think it is by far the best Disney Plus MCU show we've gotten. I liked it so much more than WandaVision. I liked it a lot more than Captain America and Winter Soldier. That doesn't mean I didn't like those shows. Yeah. I thought WandaVision as a character piece on Wanda was really well done. And Captain America and the Winter Soldier did a really good job on selling me on Anthony Mackie as the new Captain America. I would agree. So, uh, but as far as Loki goes, this was very different than those two shows. It was kind of like, a, in a way, kind of like an Elseworlds story type of show. Mm -hmm. And it was just so much fun to watch. I enjoyed every single episode. Um, and I don't want to kind of make excuses for my issues that I had with the previous two shows. But this didn't really feel rushed in, in a sense because we know that COVID-19 affected the post-production on both WandaVision and Captain America and Winter mm -hmm. Soldier and we both kind of feel like the last two episodes or the last few episodes of each series felt a little rushed and they were just trying to quickly wrap everything up yes whereas to here it just felt like a really good production that was really well done and like I just overall really really enjoyed it mm -hmm. and I'm actually happy you said that last part because the Nice thing of doing this review a few weeks after the show has ended is, you know, after the fact, all these things come out about what the production was like, mm -hmm. secrets behind the behind the production, some things that got cut. Season or episode one was shot and filmed before COVID hit, and then they had to stop when COVID happened. Mm -hmm. So I for, I'm drawing a blank on who directed the entire series. I think it's Kate. Kate something. Kate, isn't it Shortland? Uh, no, oh, no. Kate, Kate Shortland did the Black Widow. That yeah. Black Widow, yes. Yeah, I want to say it's... my Marvel wires. You know what? We're going to do a few moments later because I want to get her name. 
A few moments later. And we're back. So yes, her name is Kate Heron, and she did the whole series. She directed, mm -hmm. I think, every every single episode. Uh, unfortunately, she's not coming back for season two, which is a bit of a bummer because I thought she did a really good job this season. But she said that after they shot the first episode, then went into lockdown, that gave them time to really think on what they have coming up. And it kind of just gave them time to step back from the production, look at it and make any changes they wanted to make. And mm -hmm. obviously it was for the better because we really loved it and thought like everything was perfect and how it played out, uh, kind of honing in on some specific things that I really liked about the season. Uh, actually, before I do that, did you have a favorite episode? Uh, yeah, probably episode five. Episode five? I really enjoyed episode five yes. a lot. I loved all the little Easter eggs that they threw in there. Um, it was a lot of fun to like kind of pick them all out. There are countless videos on the interwebs about you know all the Easter eggs from from uh, from episode five. Some that we noticed kind of just off the bat while we were naturally watching it was the obvious one, like the helicarrier. Yes. The yellow jacket, big helmet. Big helmet, yeah. Yeah, fucking Thanos helicopter, which was hilarious. Yes. And then uh, some things that we looked up, which were fun later on, was, was like Throg. The yeah, Throg, Thor, yes. The, full, yeah. the Frog <laughs> Thor, which was trapped there. And we saw a bunch of ice uh, lunch trays, <laughs> which to me means one thing and one thing only. It was the same lunch tray from the Spider-Man movie, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie that Spider that Peter thwips mm -hmm. and shoots back and hits Flash Thompson. Right. Which to me confirms the fact that multiverse Spider-Verse, live action Spider-Verse is happening because there was multiple lunch trays. Yes. Which means multiple Spider-Man. Yes. Confirmed. Confirmed. Heard it here. We knew it was happening, but this essentially confirmed it. Because there's lunch trays in the void. Because there's lunch trays in the void. Um, guys, fuck off if you think I'm telling the truth. Um, but yes, other than that, um, I loved just seeing all the different types of Lokis. I loved all the interactions between all the different types of Lokis and just the whole notion of like, we really cannot trust each other. Like, yeah. we cannot be trusted. Like, yes. they're just, it's just in their nature. Bro, can we talk about Richard E. Grant? Yes, we're definitely going to get to all that. Right, okay. But I was just, I just really love how they just keep going back to this nature of like, it's in our nature to just deceive people mm -hmm. and to just betray people. And uh, and it, I think it plays into the Loki that we know and love into his growth. Of right. How he's just like, God, like we really are just a bunch of fucking idiots. We just <laughs> like just fuck up all the time. Um, but yes, uh, aside from Alligator Loki, which is probably the MVP. Of Protect the, Alligator Loki at all costs. Which is probably the MVP of the season. <laughs> Richard E. Grant is such a... He's such a beloved character for me personally. I, I'm a big fan of his, and I really like how he sort of really splashed onto the scene in recent years. Yeah, he's kind of, I don't want to say he's had like a resurgence, but it's almost more people are recognizing him now mm -hmm. as an actor because he's popped up in so many things of late. And yeah, man, here playing classic Loki, uh, stole every moment that he had like on screen. Like mm -hmm. he made the most of his time being, right. on, being in this episode. I'm a little bummed that he's not going to be coming back because he gets, I forget what's, what's the big. The, it's Al, 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 Alaboth, something like that. It's capable of consuming time and space itself. A creature you both know. Elioth. Bingo. He gets kind of like taken out by that, but I, I really did enjoy his performance and he was by far one of one of my favorite, I guess, characters for this season. And he has easily the best scene yes. with him basically forming uh, Asgard. Yeah, a big projection of Asgard. And, it's, and since he's older, more sort of classical Loki, it just goes to show how 
Loki's power essentially progresses. We mm-hmm. imagine that at some point he's going to be able to do that. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I just thought he was great. I thought episode five in general was great. Um, I loved all the episodes, but that's the one that definitely stands out for me. For sure. I mean, I would probably agree with you because that I think even Kate Heron said that that's kind of the climax of the series is that is that specific episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the aspects that I liked and probably why I love episodes one and two Uh, almost just as much is the fact that the show kind of put dialogue and conversation in front of the spectacle. Mm -hmm. Like I think it put that and that's more what drove the story than say the set pieces. You know, if you look at episode one and episode two, there's a lot of conversations between both Loki and Mobius, especially in episode two when they have like that big philosophical discussion where Loki's kind of going at Mobius and he's saying, Three magic lizards. Timekeepers. Created the TVA and everyone in it, right. including you. Including me. You see, every time I start to admire your intelligence, you say something like that. Who created you, Loki? A frost giant of Jotunheim. And who raised you? Odin of Asgard. Odin, god of the heavens, Asgard, mystical realm beyond the stars, frost giants. Listen to it's yourself. It's not the same. It's completely no, different. No, no, it's not oh, the same. Oh, actually, it's exactly the same thing, because if you think too hard about where any of us came from, who we truly are, it sounds kind of ridiculous. There's just this really great back and forth, and I, I just loved how they had written that that whole scene. And even going, which we'll get into with the finale, again, majority of the, of the finale episode is all talking and conversation and dialogue. So I love that they that's one of my favorite aspects for the season is that they put that first more than the spectacle. Yeah, Whereas we, something like Captain America and Winter Soldier, even though there are really great moments where there is some really good dialogue and they have those those sorts of conversations, I feel like that put more on what set pieces we're going to have, what you know fight scenes are we going to, right. to, to go into. More spectacle, like you more, said. Yeah, more spectacle. So that automatically made Loki very different than the usual Marvel stuff that we get. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. It's really, really great dialogue. And I do kind of want to highlight that sequence between him and Mobius because the way they put it, like in regards to their perspectives, mm-hmm. when Mobius is like, tell me where you're from. It's like, I'm from Jotunheim. It's like, you know, like from a frost giant and you were found by Odin's son and you yes. were raised in Asgard. Like, it sounds so ridiculous. Right. But in that, in the MCU perspective, that that's real and that's where he comes from. But mm-hmm. if you say it to anyone, you know, say it to anyone on Earth, it just sounds ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely, obviously. Yeah. So putting that sort of like point of view on things was a really great, was a really nice touch. And I really did enjoy that scene. I did too. And it kind of gave the overall season with every single character like I would say there's no clear villain for Loki for, for like the season as a whole. Like you mm-hmm. have these characters that that do bad things, but there's no clear cut villain. Like for WandaVision, we had Agatha. Agatha for Captain America Winter Soldier. It was Carly, Carly and John Walker. John Walker. I mean, even Zemo to an extent, even mm-hmm. though Zemo was kind of more of an anti-hero for for this past season. But here, everyone kind of operates within their own morals and they do a good job of presenting to the audience where they come from as to why they do what they do. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, it all makes sense, whether it's Sylvie, whether it's Ravona, like we, we understand where all these characters are coming from and why they do the things that they do. Yeah. It's all their beliefs. Exactly. So instead of painting it as hero and villain, all these characters are made up of like shades of gray. Mm -hmm. And that's another aspect that to me sets it apart from majority of Marvel projects, as well as just superhero projects in general. Right. Because it makes the characters that much more intriguing. Right. Hell yeah. And interesting. Other things I just want to highlight real quick. Uh, Natalie Holt, fan fucking tastic job on the music. She kind of came out of nowhere and, 
this was like her first major project and probably one of my favorite aspects of the season is this like this score to me is phenomenal one of marvel's best scores uh so far i've been listening to it like nonstop, and it's becoming just one of my favorite pieces of music to go to yeah it's really good yeah and then just the acting as a whole man i thought everyone was great from tom hiddleston to sophia DiMartino, who played sylvie owen wilson is mobius bro like i knew i was gonna like owen wilson on this show but i didn't realize how much i was gonna fall in love with the character of mobius I want this dude to get his fucking jet ski. If this mm-hmm. series ends without him getting a jet ski, I'm going to be so fucking pissed. And I was so sold. Like, that's going to be the final shot of yeah. the show. You know, it's <laughs> going to be the jet ski. ski. But that was far from the final yeah. shot of the show. Um, But yeah, like you said, we'll get into it a little bit. But season two was confirmed. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure at some point at the end of the series, we'll get that great shot of Mobius on his jet ski. Hell yeah. And then your girl, bro, Gugu Mbathara. Gugu Mbathara, who I've been shipping ever since the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror. I've been shipping her and Mackenzie Davis for the longest time. Um, so I'm glad to see her shine because some of the projects that she's done weren't the best. Not great. Have not been the best. <laughs> Jupiter Ascending, i.e. Uh, along with uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. Cloverfield Paradox, yeah. So I'm glad that she kind of had a chance to shine here and really show what she can do because I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of hers. Absolutely, man. Uh, should we jump into the finale? Uh, we sh- we should, but before that, I want to give one more sort of shout out. I know you were you were giving some shout outs, so I want to give one as well. Um, the production design. Yes, I thought the production design of the show was really really well done. Um, I love the whole how the TVA looks mm-hmm. it has like sort of being John Malkovich vibes. Hell yeah, it's like a, a blend of like old school retro technology. Mixed yeah, like like seventies like like kind of yeah. Yeah, so it's everything about it. Like and and it's very. It's very like the like the color hue. It's like this like yellowish orange color hue, which has like sort of which is reminiscent of like a depressed office. Yes, like a depressing office building. Yeah. So I just thought everything about it was a uh, was really well done. Going to some uh, like on Lamentis fifteen, mm-hmm. some like that shit that we saw the train, um, everything, including the Citadel. Um, and just the VFX, dude. The VFX for this series dude, were special incredible. effects were nuts, man. They were really really good, and I think that also harnesses back to. What we were talking about, because some of the VFX in Captain America and Winter Soldier and in WandaVision were a little rough. At times, yes. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's almost because they had to like kind of speed up the – how to like really wrap it up, um, and they were a little rushed. Whereas to here, like I said, it just felt like it was a properly developed show with no real constraint. It was mm-hmm. like they just did their thing. They did it the way they wanted to, and it was like just done so well. So shout out to production design and the uh, VFX department. Hell yeah. All right, man, let's jump into the finale. Yes. Let's jump into the finale. I guess we'll kick it off with the opening of the episode. Absolutely love when that opening Marvel title sequence is going and we just start hearing all different voices from scenes from just like the the past 25 Marvel mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. And then we also get other random, like I was saying before, how the nice thing of doing this review so late is there have been so many compilation videos of people like picking out like, Who's saying this? What What's this from? And Like the and, different scenes. Yeah, just all the different scenes. But I really love that. And it opens up to this just phenomenal shot of what we know as the MCU timeline just surrounding the Citadel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one of the many timelines that, uh, that exist. That, yes, absolutely. Uh, and then, man, I guess we'll just jump right into it, bro. We get Kang. We get Kang. Jonathan, Kang! Jonathan Majors comes into this episode. And, bro, this is what... I think we both wanted out of WandaVision when we we were kind of being fed all those breadcrumbs about whether it's Mephisto or Nightmare or or Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. 
the and, airspace engineer that she knows like oh she knows an airspace engineer let's zoom in on her phone as she's texting only for it to be completely irrelevant characters that nobody. i just did not give it was a shit nobody about. yes yeah. yes absolutely and for here bro I was just, I was so convinced that we were not going to get Kang. Like there was, there, too. was there was no possible way it was going to happen. One, because of being burned on WandaVision and just being like, well, I have to keep my expectations low in the sense of Marvel's not going to do anything super crazy on their TV shows because mm -hmm. not everybody has Disney Plus. So because of that, why would they do something that's going to really ripple throughout the MCU mm -hmm. on a TV show that not everybody can watch? So that was like my my first thing going into it, and you then, were looking at it from like a business standpoint. Yeah, exactly. So based off of that, I thought we were just were not going to get Kang here, but right. those elevator doors fucking open up, and there he is. And there he is, just sitting there chewing an apple, very uh, metaphorical to the whole Adam and Eve, you know. Situation. Oh, bro, yeah, yeah. I think I think once we kind of get into that that scene of Sylvie, Loki, and Kang sitting there, uh, we can definitely dive into like the uh, the metaphorical aspect of that scene, but. What you what do you think of Jonathan Majors in, in this role? Because I've I've heard some mixed things of people not liking how he was playing the character, but I think a lot of people one don't know that he's playing a variant. He's playing a variant of Kang, and more specifically, he's playing He Who Remains, which is an actual character from the comics, and they're kind of merging Kang with this character. So. This isn't Kang the Conqueror. Like, like we eventually find out he is a variant of Kang. Right. Like, if it actually was Kang the Conqueror, mm -hmm. I might be a little mixed feelings on it as well. Because yeah. he was playing it a little too goofy at times. He was playing it a little bit too lighthearted. But this is a dude who's been trapped in the Citadel for, like, God knows how long. Yes. Only he knows how long. Right, how right. Long. So, um, so I do kind of buy into the whole kind of kooky aspect that he was throwing into it. But yeah, I was fine because this was essentially a variant. It's not like, you know, this is not um, this is not the actual Kang the Conqueror that we are going to get. And when we eventually do get Kang the Conqueror, I think it's going to be fun to look back and make the comparisons of these two sort of variants. And, and you know, how one is different from, from the other. So yes. I didn't really mind it for that reason alone. For the fact that, like, this is actually not Kang. So, yes. like, if that actually was Kang, then I'd be like, okay, I don't know yeah, how... Yeah, pump back a little bit. I don't know yeah. how I feel about that, but um, the fact that it's just a variant and just going off of that alone, I thought he was great and I loved him in it. Yeah, I mean, I, I really love this performance, too. And and to combat anyone that's saying how he they thought he played a goofy, I thought he played the role like he was supposed to, like a guy who has been isolated for just way too fucking long. Mm -hmm. And just ready to just talk. But yeah, so let's dive into that scene where it is Kang, Loki, and Sylvie. And as we were saying before, there is somewhat of that Adam and Eve kind of play going on here where Kang kind of represents the devil, he's eating the apple, and he's trying to entice Adam and Eve to kill him and, mm -hmm. and take over. Obviously, that's not what happens in the actual story, but that's kind of what's going on here. And again, dude, dialogue, conversation, how things are playing out, how just a the, bunch how the story's of dialogue. Yes. But from like from the second that King shows up on screen, I was just locked in. Yeah, man, and I was just loving every single second of it. But yeah, it's a lot of dialogue, and it's just so well done. It is, and one of those moments too, where they're sort of having that philosophical discussion. I think is when. Sylvie saying, you know, you're playing with people's, uh, you know, you're treating their lives as a game. You know, you've you've hurt people, blah, blah. And he throws it back at them. He's like, well, what have you guys done? Right. I think there's that one point where it's like, grow up. You treated real people's lives like some kind of game. It's not personal. 
it's it's practical. It was personal to me. Oh, grow up! Grow up, Sylvie! Murderer! Hypocrite! We're all villains here. We all done horrible, terrible, horrific things. Yeah, which is a great moment yeah, where he's so like, you know, you, like, you took my life away from me. He's like, grow up. Yeah. Like, get over it. It's it's like you've literally been on this lifelong mission. Like, just get over it. But, yeah, the whole thing is playing out. And it eventually ends up with Sylvie betraying Loki, which, once again, just goes to show how they cannot trust each other. Like, Loki thinks, finally, I have this, like, there is this kind of good version of me, which which I'm kind of in love with, which is a little weird. <laughs> but at the same time, like he's so heartbroken. Yes. When Sylvie like betrays and him and, and kicks him out and yeah. kicks him out, but it's just in their nature. Right. That's just what it is because it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with Loki. It doesn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with him. It just has to do with her again, her beliefs, her motives, and the fact that Loki is just standing in the way of that is just the unfortunate part. That she essentially has to get rid of them, and Absolutely. in the way, and that becomes like in its own kind of organic way, the sort of betrayal and the whole thing of like, like Loki thought, but he was wrong. He, yeah, he still got betrayed. And um, actually, one more thing I want to quickly just say, um, okay. which I don't think we we spoke about before. This is essentially confirmed Loki as being bisexual yes the, the show what, itself, what was it uh episode, episode three four. or or maybe it was four, four yeah. when they were on lamentus yes right you know or no when, that's three because it's when they're having when they're having that conversation on the train how about you you're a prince must have been would-be princesses or perhaps another prince a bit of both i suspect the same as you but nothing ever real and again, this is not, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if this will come out in, in like the wrong way or not, but Loki in, in a sense, af, after all these years of, of getting this character, he does have this sort of like flamboyant nature to he him. He does. Absolutely. So like when, when that is revealed, um, for starters, Loki is gay in the comics. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. He is bisexual in the yeah. comics. There, there's, there's a lot to, um, to, it, it is true to the character in regards to the source material, but we are kind of living in a day and age now where a lot of a lot of characters in all different forms of mediums are being turned either LGBTQ, mm-hmm. and it, a lot of it feels like political in or, some or sense, like, or like forced in a way yeah. where it's not natural. Yeah, right. But again, here after we've gotten this character for so long, and to have that sort of like element um, attached to it, again, just felt organic. It didn't feel no. It like didn't. It, it didn't feel point, forced. Didn't feel forced or political or anything along those no, lines. No, and I think when you look back just on Loki in general, and and you and you have that in your head now, it's like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, it doesn't. Saying, it doesn't it, feel like it's out of left field. Because when you think, feels, like you said, when you think of how flamboyant the character is, mm-hmm. how he presents himself. It to me makes a hundred percent. Yeah, so I totally like that's his um essentially confirming him, I believe as the first bisexual MCU character that we've gotten on screen. I think so too, right? Because I know that Valkyrie's eventually going to Valkyrie is probably I think and I think they I don't want to jump the gun, but I'm pretty sure they confirmed that in Thor Love and Thunder she will be portrayed that way. Right. Yeah. So um I mean we know that Bucky and Steve jerked each other off a couple times, couple but times, it was never yeah. confirmed. Never confirmed, yeah. Bro, can you imagine with that arm? 
I'm sure Bucky can do some damage, dude. Jesus. Okay, you don't have to get so clinical and nasty. Oh. Um, but to get back to it, do you, is there anything else that you want to talk about in regards to the whole Loki, Sylvie, he who remains scene before we move forward? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so much on that scene, but I like how you were saying how heartbroken Loki is over Sylvie betraying him. And I did see some people online saying how they felt this show sort of ruined the character of Loki. What? Because of him not so much being the villain anymore, him now being more of a hero mm -hmm. and having a love interest. And they think that it sort of ruined the character that he was when he started. Now, the thing that I'll say about that is I do not buy into that at all. One, because we've had Loki for so fucking long that it's just this natural progression to see where this character is going to go. You can't have him do the same things over and over and over again or else it's going to get stale. Look at Tony Stark, how he started in Iron Man. And then where he got to in Civil War with signing the Sokovia Accords. Iron Man 1, Tony Stark would have never signed the Sokovia Accords. But because of what he experienced and what he went through, this is where he's at now. Mm -hmm. Now, two, uh, the other argument was that it happens way too fast. Which, to a point, I do kind of get. But I think Loki was so traumatized by watching his life play out in that first uh, that first episode where he watches that, which is probably one of my favorite scenes in the in the show. The interstellar scene. The interstellar scene, yes, where he's basically seeing all of his life play out up until the point where he gets his neck cracked by fucking Thanos. Uh, that's, that's the moment where he just has a complete change in his character, and he just sees that things aren't, how he perceived them to be and how he thought his life was. And just that's, and this, the rest of the show is just his whole journey to figuring out who he is. And that's why I thought this season was such a massive success. Right. Because even in season two, even episode two, when he, when he follows Sylvie, mm -hmm. that was like, you know, that was kind of still in his sort of nature. Mm -hmm. And I think also in episode five, when he meets all the other Lokis, and like we said, he, he's just like, holy shit, we really can't trust each other. Yeah. I think that was also like a big growth. For sure. A big moment of him to just kind of see himself and see how he is from like a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I disagree with all the people complaining. People just love to complain. Shut the fuck up. I know. <laughs> um, but that's just my personal. That's just how the way I feel. I just I don't uh, agree with with the character being ruined in any sense, because in a way, he's also kind of been an antihero. He has. But I was yeah. going to say, like, at kind of when we get past phase one. I mean, you could argue maybe in, in Dark World a little bit because at the end he does kind of boot Odin out and, and take the throne as, mm -hmm. as he always wants to do. But when we get to Ragnarok and, Ragnarok. You, you know, going forward through that, like he's basically an anti-hero. Yeah. You know I mean, he he's, does not, steal he's not the, the uh, villain anymore. He does steal the Tesseract. He does. But that's which just... I'm sure he has, you know, yeah. his own personal motives for that. But yeah, there's... It's... I don't buy it. I know. He hasn't been like a true... True villain. A true villain, like yeah. in, in my in my opinion. And even so, it's it was never really when you think about it at its at its heart, it was never really about being a villain. It was more just being accepted by his dad. Yeah. That's really what it was. Right. So I mean, those are the great characters who make these the the worst decisions, but with all like the best intentions. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh but going back to that specific scene, Sylvie, you know, once she boots Loki out, they do have a really awesome fight scene too, which I really dug. Mm -hmm. Uh once she boots Loki out. Then she kills Kang, and that just kind of throws... Not Kang, bro. Well, not Kang. He who remains. He who she remains. kills he who remains, and it throws the universe into a multiverse of madness. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing that I dug about this, too, was this series was written by the writer of uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I absolutely love that, because when you're talking about someone who just has the, in a way, source material in his head. Yes. He essentially created what, what happened... 
he created the event that's going to lead into the other movie. So he just mm-hmm. or, like organically just knows right how to like pick it up. Yes. You know, he's like he's essentially hitting himself the baton. Right. Yeah. Basically. Like, and, yes. And it's, yes. It's, uh, you know, it's selfish. No. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but but coming back to it, this is kind of what I was saying in the beginning of this major event. This major event throws everything into disarray. And Loki really is the kickoff to phase four. Mm-hmm. This sets up what's going to happen for Spider-Man, for, well, I mean, we'll see how it plays into Eternals and Shang-Chi if it actually does or if they'll be more standalone. But then Doctor Strange and then just everything, Ant-Man and Quantumania, that's when we'll get the actual Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. But this this is it, bro. This this is the this is the kickoff. People have been dubbing it the Multiverse Wars. Like right. we, had, we had the Infinity War and now we have the Multiverse Wars. Right, and I think, and I do think it's going to affect Eternals. I just kind of like quick theory I do think that's what makes Eternals kind of come out of shadows. Like, okay. All right, now there's literally a multiverse of madness. We have to essentially do yeah. something. I, I hope that's the case because when we see that first trailer, like I'm not buying that these dudes just sat on the sideline throughout everything that's that what happened I'm saying. throughout the MCU. Because yeah. even the voiceover in the trailer, it's like we've been quiet. We've stuck in the shadows. Yeah. We've put our faith in you to deal with Thanos. But now literally the entire galaxy timelines, everything is in disarray. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe we should do something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, but to go back to what you were saying way, way earlier at the beginning of this, they essentially, Marvel has made their shows must-see TV. Yeah. Because now, in order to understand what's going on in regards to all the MCU movies, all the MCU projects in general moving forward, you have to watch this finale. Absolutely. I don't know if you have to watch the entire series. I definitely recommend you would. But if you watch just the finale alone, you'll understand what's happening and why there's this big sort of galaxy of chaos and all all this stuff is going on. And And it's so smart on Marvel's point because, like, it's like, look, if you don't have Disney+, Plus. Um, which a lot of people don't, uh, and you don't watch this, you better get it. Yeah, you better get it. <laughs> and if and if you don't, we don't care. We're right. still gonna do it. Like they don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're doing, they're creating this massive event on television, it's just like it's it's ballsy. And then again, it's just a great business move because those because that season finale numbers are gonna spike. Oh, probably yeah. Everyone's gonna either like borrow their people's accounts right. or so or subscriptions will go up right. just so people can watch. What happened in Loki to understand what's going on, and WandaVision and Captain America and the Winter Soldier to an extent mm-hmm. were kind of must see TV. You know, like um, WandaVision has the big reveal of like the Scarlet Witch, so Scarlet now Witch, we know yeah. that she's a Scarlet Witch, you and know? we'll get more of her in Doctor Strange. Exactly, yeah. uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. We got our new Captain America, right? Um, how? But however. That was teased at the little bit at the end of Endgame, a right. little so bit. So you could go into the next Captain America movie without seeing the show, but right. knowing like, all right, he became Captain America. Right. Obviously, there is some stuff that happens in the show that can add context to future projects. Yeah. But this is completely different. This a is way like, different. This is a huge event, like we said. This was essentially a big. It, it is what you said. It's the starting phase to. It's a starting. It's a launching off point. For phase four. Yes. So if you want to understand what's happening moving forward, you better fucking watch the show. <laughs> and if you don't, we don't give a shit because we know you're going to watch our movies anyway. Right, like Marvel right. does not give a fuck. So. Exactly. Um, and it's really funny too because I made like uh, just like a loose joke when we saw Black Widow mm-hmm. because I'm with you. I was so burnt by WandaVision. I just did not expect that Kang would come in even though he was the obvious choice. Like Kang was everything... 
was leading to Kang. It was like the obvious decision as to who would be in the Citadel. But I'm like, no, nah, I don't buy it because I've been burned before. Right, it'll probably be like a variant of Loki. That's what I was or, sold on. Yeah. I was so sold on just being like another Loki variant. Maybe right. like the OG, like the very first like the very Loki, first Loki, yeah. Loki variant or something. So that's what I was 100% sold on. So when we actually do get Kang, we're getting the introduction of a major character. Even though, granted, it's not Kang. But we are getting, like, in a way, the introduction of this major character who's going to play a huge role in the Marvel Universe moving forward. Yes. And they put it on television. Yes. You know, they put him and the entire event on television, which is ballsy. But going back to what I was saying, I made the joke after we saw Black Widow because Julie Louis-Dreyfus' character that we got in Captain America and the Winter Soldier Mm -hmm. pops up at the end of Black Widow. Yes, in the end credits. In the end credits. So I'm like, oh, okay, they're they're crossing the stream. So I was like... Oh, bro, we're getting, you know, if we're getting her, if we're getting Madam Hydra here, then we're definitely going to get Kang yeah. in the TV show. Like, I wasn't really serious. Right. But for it to happen, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And good for you, Marvel. Oh, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one more thing I want to ask you. But before we do that, I just want to make mention that I love how the finale ends. And it's a nice play on Planet of the Apes, the mm-hmm. OG Planet of the Apes of Charlton Heston, where Loki's kind of basically thrown into what he feels is a familiar place. He finds Mobius and Mobius does not recognize him. And then he looks up at this just giant statue of Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. And like as soon as I saw it, I was like the Leo. I was like, oh, that's yeah, yeah, Planet of the Apes. That's Planet yeah, of the Apes. Yeah. You, you burned know? it all yeah, to yeah. hell. <laughs> yeah. you, what is it? You blew it? You blew you, it up. You all. blew it up. Damn, Damn you. Damn you. You maniac. You blew it up. Uh, one of the greatest endings in cinematic history. What a great twist, man. Yeah, so, so fucking good. But yeah, it's like, and it's so interesting too because no one is expecting that. No, no one is not. Like, yeah. You just see um, Mobius and what's Agent. Um, oh, it's uh, Hunter B-15. Hunter B-15. Umi yeah. Musaka, who I really did love this season. I thought she was great. Can't wait to f- see more of her. I thought she was fine. But I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah, Twitch is on, bro. Twitch uh, yeah, is on. Yeah, but uh, we see them two talking and you automatically just think this is the same characters that we've been following this entire season. Mm-hmm. And obviously Loki just has like a big monologue He because he thinks the same thing. Yes. So he's just kind of like venting, letting off everything that he just experienced. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you an analyst? Wow. Like, relax. <laughs> wow. Like, you know, and... It, and Right away, we're just like, oh, my like God. He's not, yeah, he's it's in a some different other timeline. timeline. <laughs> and then, yeah, to get, like, the big Kang statue in the OG costume. Yeah. Just so fucking cool. And does this mean, because for the people who don't know, Kang is from the future, and he is the great, great, great grandfather of Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. So does this mean that the Reed Richards we get is going to be a black actor? That could be the possibility. Um, I think so. And I'm going to say it's Ashton Sanders. From Moonlight, Ooh. from Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. Heard it here first. It's happening. And when it gets announced, I want my fucking credit. And you can take that to the bank. Uh, okay, so the one thing that I wanted to ask you real quick before we kind of wrap this up is with this multiverse, Marvel's kind of showing us their hand as to how they're planning to, to kind of go about this. This is definitely how we get Fantastic Four and X-Men now. P- possibly like, most likely like yeah. i like i think so because my biggest concern especially with them getting like you know i'm we know we're getting fantastic four first before we get like we haven't heard anything about x-men yet but well in the world's the mutants it, as of right now that's yeah. that's the rumor that's gonna be called the mutants but with we're getting fantastic four in the next couple of years 
my worry was how are we going to bring these characters in, especially since we know their history so well, especially when it comes to the X-Men with Magneto and with Professor X. How are they going to come in this late in the game of an already established universe and we've heard nothing about them? Right. You know, that was my biggest worry. How is that going to fit in? Now it's as simple as saying they're from another multiverse. They're, they're from, from another, another, timeline, they're from another right. timeline, exactly. And at some point, all these timelines could get melded into the sort of main timeline that we all know. Mm -hmm. Or we could have some simple timeline hopping and still tell different stories in these different you know, universes. For sure. These different Earths. Well, the other thing, too, is, is now this is probably going to build, you know, when we think of how the MCU starting in Phase 1 built all the way to the Infinity Wars, right? Is this building to a multiverse war? And going further, is this building to an event where we're going to get multiple Iron Men, multiple Captain Americas, multiple characters that we know played by different people? Maybe we'll get Downey will come back. Maybe Evans can come back. Scarlett Johansson can come back. Like this is a possibility now that we can get all these characters and different variations of them played by all different people coming. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's going to culminate into like Avengers multiverse wars where it's just this massive event. But like, yeah, I mean that, that really comes down to at what point is the end, right? That, that's really what it comes down to. Yes. Because right now the MCU is going strong. They are going strong. We are about, we're 13 years in, they have no signs of slowing down. Well, that'll they, be that would be like at least ten years down the line. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, because be if, if that is the big culmination, then you don't really top that, you know. Unless mm -hmm. it, it couldn't. I don't know. Maybe it's the sort of like massive culmination of the MCU, but it could be a big event. It could be where then that's how we kind of get you know Tony Stark. Um, so how we get Downey back, Chris Evans back. Scarlett Johansson back for like this sort of one time one off mm -hmm. sort of event where they have to fight Galactus or they have to, you know, um, which I'm, I can't wait for. Like when, like when they bring the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, and right. like I want to see Galactus. I want to see Silver Surfer. Like mm -hmm. that's the stuff that I'm waiting for. I can definitely see Silver Surfer being an Avengers villain in, yeah. in, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. you know? So uh, I definitely think it's going to open the doors for some of these actors to come back. And I do think it will happen yes. at some point. Um, but I, at the same time, I'm, I'm of two minds because like we have now all these other, all these other characters to focus on. Like, let's not waste time bringing back old ones. Kind of yeah, like Star Wars. Yeah, no, know? absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, if it happens, I'm going to be losing my I'm shit. I'm going to be ecstatic. Yeah. Fuck, no, I'm going to be so happy to see, <laughs> you know, Wolverine and Spider-Man and Captain America flying into battle. Mm -hmm. Like that'll, I'll just fucking lose my mind, you know? Well, that's, and that's my, my other thing too, with this multiverse, you can have, a lot of fun with it. You could bring Hugh Jackman back and like as me, like true old man Logan. As true old man Logan, mm -hmm. but I'm still holding out hope because I know before Disney bought Fox, Ryan Reynolds wanted Deadpool 3 to be a road trip movie with him and Hugh Jackman's Wolverine of them just doing some sort of adventure. And mm -hmm. I would love to see that movie if they could make it happen. We haven't gotten Deadpool yet and we know Deadpool 3 is coming at some point. If, and they confirm it's going to be rated R. They confirm it's going to be rated R. And I've seen teases of Hugh Jackman possibly having meetings with Marvel. So could this be what we're going to be getting? Could we get a Deadpool Logan road trip movie? I would fucking love that. I mean, I know you personally, you want Wolverine and Spider-Man to interact. Like that's kind of your big thing. That I mean, I don't, for. I don't, I don't care really. I, if, if we get some way where they bring in Hugh Jackman, um, exactly. I go back to what I just said. I would love it. Yeah. And I think it'd be incredible and it'll be fun. And they do, if they do that road trip movie, like, yeah, I'll be there opening weekend to check it out. But if they're going to, you know, just kind of 
bring in someone new and start off a new era of 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 Wolverine. I, yeah. I'll be all for it, but that doesn't stop them from doing both. It doesn't. Because, that's like, that's what saying. I mean. Yeah, exactly. We have this timeline. Like we can we can establish this new Wolverine, and then we can have Hugh Jackman come in. Like again for like a one off or some sort of situation. Like they can literally do whatever the fuck they want. Right. And to mirror that, this is how you can possibly bring. This is how you can possibly continue McAvoy and Fastbender as Magneto oh, and Xavier. I would love you know, that, this bro. is how you can keep some of these characters alive. Because even though the later X Men films weren't the best, I'll, I'll I'm all in on seeing more Tyre Sheridan as Cyclops, more. Um, Sophie Turner as Jean Grey. Absolutely, you know, I'm yeah. all in on seeing some more of these characters. So we already got Evan Peters coming in yeah, at I, some point. Yeah. So like there the familiarity is there. So I mean, at this point, um, I'm all in on, on whatever on whatever they do. Like you said, we're not gonna get X-Men probably anytime or X-Men news anytime soon. But um I I highly doubt they're gonna bring in <laughs> Any of the previous Fantastic Four cast members? No, there's no. I, that's I almost like that's it, almost a hundred percent sure. Yes, that's gonna be a whole fresh oh, new cast. They all new, yeah. Yeah, but some of the actors who have portrayed some of these X Men characters in previous films are very beloved. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if they figure out some ways to bring him back, or you know, whatever. Regardless, um, this just opens up again. This massive event that was on television <laughs> is going to open up the entire un- the entire MCU moving forward. Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, man. Anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Uh, no. Like I said, it was a great series. Definitely my favorite one out of the three that we've gotten. Um, we're still going to get Hawkeye and Miss Marvel. Yeah, which is nuts. Before the end of the year, man. Right. Miss Marvel is a the OG Miss Marvel is an Inhuman. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that that will also give us some idea into you know these. How how they can bring in these these because like where the fuck were the Inhumans all this time? Right, exactly. You know that's if granted if they do, if they do keep the Inhumans, um, that sort of that sort of character trait of of Miss Marvel of Kamala Khan, but uh, just like talking back about Wandavision, they missed it was it was such a good opportunity of all the people who were in the hex. Oh, I know. This all could have been the X Men. The hex men. The hex men. <laughs> all of them could have been like affected by this radiation. Well, it, they, I mean, they, they still could be. We could we still see that play out with uh, obviously with Monica Rambeau. She gets powers from going through there, so mm-hmm. we could still see that event completely play out, and these people do become mutants with powers. But we still have to have those established X Men. We still need Professor X. We still need Magneto, Cyclops, mm-hmm. Wolverine. All these characters need to eventually come right, in. Right, because Kamala Khan is from Jersey City. Right. And WandaVision took place in New Jersey, in right. the, the fictional town of Edgewater, which is literally about 15 miles from here. So I would not be surprised if that's how. So she it is a possibility, powers, yes. you know. But who knows? Yeah. It's all the way and see. Um, I'm excited for Miss Marvel. I've been a, I've really um, become a fan of Kamala Khan. Mm-hmm. In recent years, um, I love when I get the chance to read the comics because the Marvel app fucking sucks <laughs> and it's constantly crashing and never Trash. works. So every now and then I get a chance to read the comics, but the chances that I do, I do enjoy it. Um, so looking forward to the other Disney Plus shows that we're going to get. And just like we're halfway through the year. This next half is going to be insane. Bro, we still have three, When it comes we to Marvel three stuff. Three Marvel movies, right? We have... Three Shang- Marvel movies and three shows. And three Marvel movies, well, two more shows, right? No, What oh, If. No, what If, that's right. So What If starts next Fuck. month in August. So yeah, What If, and then we get Shang-Chi in September. Then we still don't know when Hawkeye and Miss Marvel are coming, but they're supposedly coming later this year. Yep. 
then we still have Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. uh, live action into Spider-Verse. Yes, live action into Spider-Verse. And we have the Eternals. So, I know. Um, and Shang-Chi, I'm extremely excited about. Uh, hot take, calling it here first, is going to be a top five MCU film. Wow, bro. I've been, I've been You're saying, throwing it out there. I've been saying it since two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be a top five. My most recent hot take. My most recent hot take is going to be it's going to it's going to be a top five MCU film. Um, Eternals. I don't know what to expect, but I have all the faith in Chloe. Um, I think she's going to knock it out of the park. And No Way Home. I'm just expecting. There's so much potential. For I'm no expecting Way Home. a lot of um, ejaculation <laughs> in the movie theater. A lot. <laughs> I'm going to have to bring a couple pairs of pants. Might have to. Yeah. You might have yeah. to. It's so. at this point now where if we don't get Toby and Andrew back, there's going to be some riots. That's crazy, though, too, though, because I feel like I, I think if we don't, and this is, just, this, again, this is just the unfortunate, just, just uh, uh, us as fans, it's the unfortunate situation where, like, we don't, like, Marvel didn't say anything about it. They didn't. You know? But we are just so sold on this idea yeah. to the point that when, if it doesn't happen, we are going to be upset. We're going to be very but upset. But it's not, it's not there. I, I know it's not, but when you bring back classic villains from both their right. respective franchises, it's like, well, how can you do that and not bring back the the guys, man? Like, we, we need to it's see totally true. these three on screen, dude. It's true. It's true. And and I'm, and I'm look, I'm convinced it's going to happen. I think so I'm too. 100% convinced. But if it doesn't, it like... It's it's going to be again. It's just that situation where we just get really psyched up as fans. It, no, it absolutely is. But I'm still gonna be upset. I, exactly. That's what <laughs> yeah, I'm, saying. I'm still gonna be mad. Like, as, like if I were fighting, I'd be like, "Bro, shut the fuck yeah, up!" I, I never would. told you you were getting Spider Man. Like, why are you getting upset? Yeah. But you brought in the villains. You brought in Doc Ock. Yeah. I'm connecting the dots. I brought in Doc Ock. You're the one who went fucking Charlie Day try to connect all these dots. Yeah. That's, that's on you, bro. You got issues to work out. Not me. I got these movies I gotta do. So fucking relax, all right? Calm your tits. But uh, but yeah. I'm expecting it's going to happen. I think so. Too. That's why it's no way home. He gets shot into the universe, yep. and you know, and that's it. But it's another thing too. Like we got the, we got well again. Even though we got the Raimi Spider-Man in the Morbius trailer, that's the Sony verse. Yes, which we still so, don't know how that's going to fit in. But if, again, if it has to, like, yeah. But again, there was no, there's no news of the Sony verse coming into. No, there isn't Venom. You know, there so isn't. like if we saw. Holland Spider-Man in that poster in the Morbius yes. trailer. Then that's a whole other situation. That's a whole other situation for sure, for sure. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because I feel like Sony execs come out and be like, "Yeah, this is part of it," and then Marvel comes out and says, "No, it's not." No, like, no. So there's a lot of back and forth. Sony could just be doing it to garner hype to get people to come out to see these movies, mm-hmm. thinking that it is connected to the MCU. When in reality, it's not. They just want to say, "Hey, come see our shitty." Well, it's not connected movie. to the MCU. It's connected to Raimi's trilogy. Not no, no, the MCU. no, but I'm saying I think was didn't wasn't it Pasquale that said Venom is in is is, is in oh, Tom yes, Holland's yes, yes yeah is well, part of that I know it's I know it's Amy and she's a nut job, yeah. but but that's that's what I mean. Like no one really knows Great producer though. I know it's great. I, I love I love Amy. She's she's fantastic. But just coming into this with all these characters that they're now making, because we're also getting Craven now. Craven's getting his own film. Mm-hmm. And I forgot which, about that. which Aaron Taylor Johnson's playing the character, which I love. I think that's great casting. Mm-hmm. Like that's phenomenal. But we don't know how they fit in. So like Earth, whatever, Aaron Taylor Johnson is craving in this world mm-hmm. and he's Quicksilver in the other world. Yes. You know, you know? So there you go. And one more last thing. This is how you can possibly bring in Kingpin. This is possibly how you bring in Bro, Daredevil. Dude, I this saw this rumor. how you bring in, you know. Dude, I saw this rumor that Vincent D'Onofrio was coming back to play Kingpin in the Hawkeye series. I don't know why. I don't know how he would fit in. 
But as soon as I saw that, I was like, I hope it's fucking true. Not that I'm banking on it, but I, I just want Vincent D'Onofrio back as a character. We talk all the time about people that are made for some of these roles. When you think of Ryan Reynolds for Deadpool, Hugh Jackman for Logan. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to say Patrick Stewart for Professor X, Ian McKellen for Magneto, like just some of these actors are so tied to to the character that it's like they're it's the perfect casting. Right. Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is perfect casting. Yeah, I would, like I would agree. If there was anybody that they were going to retain from that Daredevil universe, and when I throw in Luke Cage and Iron Fist and all that, well, also I, I also I would think throw, I would think um, Ritter. Yeah, I yeah, think Ritter as Jessica I, Jones. I think Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones is great. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. For, for sure, but. D'Onofrio's Kingpin absolutely crushed it, so I would be overjoyed if he came back. Yeah, me amazing. too. I mean, there are already rumors that Charlie Cox is coming back. He's going to be in Spider-Man. He's going to so, be his lawyer. Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I, as much as I love Charlie Cox's Daredevil, and as much as I love the Daredevil show, I do think there's someone out there who could be a better Matt Murdock. Yeah. And a much better Daredevil. You know, it's just, yeah. that's just how I feel. But I'm with you. In regards to Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones and um, um, D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio as yeah. Kingpin, this is a great way to bring him back in. And also, we know that um, Creed over here, Dirt Bikes. Biker Boys. Biker Boys. We know that Iron Fist and Shang-Chi have a big like a big relationship mm-hmm. in the comics. They have like a, a big um, history. So I don't think anybody in the world wants Finn Jones back as Iron Fist. I don't Iron think Fist, so either, yeah. <laughs> but if they did want to do it and possibly redeem the character or give him like a better chance. Just bring him um, in front of the universe, another timeline. Yeah, yeah. that's how you can then connect those, those two. You can have right. um, Simulu and Finn Jones. Well, I think we, we were all suspecting that it would be pretty cool if Shang-Chi was on, a, was on a different timeline, if it was confirmed that it wasn't in the mm-hmm. MCU that we know, that it's, it, it's a branch. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that'd be pretty cool because right. of seeing Abomination kind of more comic accurate in that trailer. It was like, well, maybe it's not the Abomination from the Incredible Hulk. Maybe right. it's a different version of the Abomination. And Same thing not, with, with yeah. the Mandarin. Like, the Mandarin we know in our timeline is fucking Ben Kingsley. I swear to God, I'm going to blow his face off. And this is not, is a different Wong. Another Wong that runs to like, oh, I have to protect the, the Sanctum. When all shit's... <laughs> Good luck, assholes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going uh, back no, home. this is a Wong who's in the dirt. Yeah. He's in the fight yes. club. He's like, bet, bet money on me, bro. Yeah. So, if like for example, if Wong gets killed in that moment, yeah, then like that'd be awesome. Yeah, like you know, fucking abomination ends up killing Wong in that scene. Like, oh, that's that's dope. It's, right. No, it, it just goes to show what fun they could have with these characters in separate times. So absolutely, we're gonna get that very soon. I'm very excited, and uh, and yeah, dude. Like we said, everything that we're talking about is all possible because of Loki. Yes. So good on good job on Marvel for you know having the balls to create this launching off point for phase four to create this massive event in its TV shows. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Um, so I can't wait for everything, for everything moving forward. I'm, re- I'm really excited to see how everything plays out. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and that's why like for Loki, I'm confident in saying that it's one of my favorite things that Marvel's done Yeah, is because of what it did in its final episode. It did not hold back. It gave us everything that we asked for, more than we could have asked for. And WandaVision gave us that same feeling very early on. It did, very early on, and then it sort of squandered it yeah. a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, tr- like, trust me, Like, if you look at WandaVision as a character piece, I think it's very successful in presenting Scarlet Witch, you know, having that transition to who the character that she's going to be. And we don't have to really go into it, but like, you know, acting, all that stuff was great. Same thing with Captain America Winter Soldier, echoing your sentiments that... It bought it bought me that Anthony Mackie could play Captain America. So it sold now, you on that. It sold me on it. Yes. So now I'm going forward with that. But with this great character development for Loki, pushing him forward, but at the same time, just blew the doors open for the universe. And yep. 
can't wait to see where it goes, man. But all right, Nerds Nation, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for joining us as always. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials. Always keeping an eye out for that big, beautiful FN logo. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.